Hello everybody, I'm Kia Ora. Um, today we will explore the challenges and opportunities related to existing network performance indicators and discuss the recommendations which look to support consistent um, road-based transport performance measurement. We have more than 350 people registered for today's session. Uh, welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Austroads and I will be moderating today's session. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to Elders past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. We are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today uh, was delivered under the Transport Network Operations Program, which is managed by Richard Del Place. A little bit of housekeeping for today. Um, our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. You can download the report. Today's session is based on and the presentation slides are from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions uh, at any time during the webinar. If you could note the slide number that your question relates to, that would be very helpful for us. Um, you can also use that same questions box if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your uh, picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So leaving the session, closing your browser and rejoining the webinar uh, via your registration link usually helps. This session has been recorded uh, and we will let you know when it's available on our website and you can also listen to um, Austroads in your podcast app. So our presenters for today are uh, Robert Kane, Simon Latham and Scott Benjamin. Our first presenter is Robert Kane, who is currently the Intelligent Transport Systems Team Leader at the Department of Transport and Infrastructure, South Australia. Um, Robert has worked uh, with a vast array of performance indicators throughout his 10 years of experience in government and has been able to interject his experiences and lessons into the Austroads National Performance Indicators Project. Our second presenter is Simon Latham, um, a principal transport planner with over 15 years experience in multimodal transport planning and transport appraisal. Simon has worked with transport agencies in the UK and Australia to develop and establish performance reporting frameworks, indicators and metrics to service a range um, of transport planning and operations, uh, operational needs. And Scott Benjamin, our third, third presenter, he has 20 years experience um, in management, development, uh, implementation, operations and maintenance uh, of a wide variety of intelligent transport systems, traffic engineering, transport planning, modeling and analysis. Scott has been closely involved in the development of a wide, uh, wide range of um, road performance indicators. So a warm welcome to our presenters and I will now hand over to Robert. Hi all, it's a pleasure to be able to present today and thank you for the introduction, Ekaterina. So I'll be going through some background information. So why, why NPIs, how we report on performance uh, through some history and project objectives as well. So introducing the project team, I was uh, elected by Osroads as the project manager. Um, Simon Latham was the study lead from WSP. 
And the rest of the project team from WSB includes Scott Benjamin, Mary Haviland, and Roland Salita. So WSB have done a wonderful job um, on this project and it's been very complex with a lot of stakeholder um, information coming through. So they've done a wonderful job at the report. Um, the review team from Ausroads, it's pretty standard practice. So we've had a working group, a task force and the Ausroads board. Um, I won't go through each of the working group members from Ausroads, but um, you can see that we've had a every member state involved in this particular project over the last couple of years. Okay, so why network performance indicators? Well, to start with, and one of the key philosophies of the project was what gets measured gets managed. Um, metrics and indicators and benchmarks describe how well our systems, including transport systems, are performing within the context of our expectations. Performance reporting supports investment, ensuring that resource can be allocated to address the areas of greatest need or return. So that's, these are sort of key philosophies that we've carried through our project and it's carried through to our um, recommendations. So within the context of transport, performance reporting services three key functions, accountability, prioritization of projects and issue identification. So where do we need to invest our money? Um, accountability is an important one. So there's all sorts of all, all sorts of data that transport agencies collect from patronage on buses, travel times, origin destination information, list goes on and on. The processing of this data is complicated. Now outcomes need to be clear so that executive and treasury can justify expenditure. So we sort of see a bit of a life cycle forming here. So we've got the guy behind the computer uh, nutting out all the numbers and somehow it gets to executive to decide on major project investment um, and, and the like. So it turns back into operations. So really the key philosophy here is that throughout the life cycle of it, and throughout a transport agency, the data is used in throughout the entire business. Um, one of our key key things for this project was to include best practice from a national and international perspective and include capabilities of new data sources. So that's where we've sort of grown um, for this report. So a bit of history talking about how we've grown. So from 93 to 2010, there was a lot of work done by Ausroads and member agencies um, from road safety, program project assessment, travel speed, lane occupancy. These are all of the agreed MPIs from, from that period. Now for this project, we've excluded asset management because there's been a plethora of work occurred in that space. And it wasn't uh, the Ausroads um, working group decided, well, we don't really need to include that in this particular project. Um, from 2007, we included a couple of other NPIs. So traveler efficiency, reliability and productivity, all seen as very key factors in terms of being able to um, report on performance of our transport network. And in 2013, we've included public transport in our um, list of performance indicators. So I suppose now we're thinking, well, why are we revisiting this sort of stuff? Well, some of the drivers for the change and some of the drivers for this project have been 
the road asset has a greater role to play in delivering societal outcomes. So that's a sense of place. What's the strategic need of the project? Um, the car is no longer king. A greater appreciation of broader road user needs is required. So again, that's the multimodal sort of thing coming in. So from, I mean, we've talked about public transport a little bit there, but there's um, cyclists and walking and whatnot and the sense of place. So how do we measure performance in those areas? That's where this project has um, moved into alignment with that. Uh, there's been a growing misalignment with state-based performance reporting. So, you know, in 2007, most member agencies were still reporting on the NPIs that were recommended by Ausroads. But since then, some states have moved away from it. Potentially, it's not worth investing in certain performance indicators. So we need to rejuvenate those, those thoughts and improve uptake. And lastly, data capture and analysis methods have been disrupted. Um, there's also new types of data that we can use and cheaper types of data. So moving to project objectives. The first one, identify performance indicators used nationally and internationally across different transport modes. Identify. Second one, capture performance indicators that member agencies use nationally and I will note in New Zealand, including gap analysis. Third one there, recommend a consistent approach and agreed approach for performance metrics and recommend data capture techniques. So that's that's the key to this project. It's revamping that and and then the review process was based on a it's standard Osroads process and advise how to improve uptake of national performance indicators, which we've we've gone through throughout the report in our recommendations, and I'll be talking on how to improve um, uptake outside of those recommendations as well towards the end of um, the slide set. So Simon. Um, it's up to you now. Give us a summary of current performance reporting practices and indicators and innovations, please. Awesome. Thanks, Robert. Um, so, like Robert said, there was a there was a huge amount of engagement through the project. We went to um, the state transport agencies, engaged them one on one as groups um, across the selection of people involved in performance reporting. I really tried to get an understanding of their challenges and, and opportunities and what data they use, what metrics they use, some of their practices around performance reporting. And that's with a view to trying to inform MPIs that are more relevant to the, the member agencies. Um, so some of the key challenges um, that, that were faced by the state transport agencies included um, the fact that indicators were often not necessarily linked to, to, to broader transport outcomes or there was some level of inconsistency across organisational functions and we'll talk to why that's important a bit later on. Um, there, there was there was some successes in terms of working with broader industry in terms of getting hold of third party data sets and, and those sort of arrangements but there was, there was gen generally some uncertainty or a lack of knowledge around those sort of business models and particularly the legal ramifications on both sides of holding and managing data so there were some challenges there. Um, there's also a, a broad range of sort of data collection and data management challenges which Scott will talk to a bit more effectively later on but um, one example might be um, observing crashes in the road space is good but outside of the outside of the road um, it, it's difficult to get hold of that sort of data and there's there's inconsistency and gaps in that sort of data in terms of some of the key insights um, there were good examples of working together um, to source third-party travel time data uh, which has enhanced reliability reporting across the states um, 
what we'd seen is, and this was this was a impact on the MPIs and their uptake, was that traffic management systems weren't necessarily maintained for the purpose of performance reporting. So that that data wasn't as critical because of the the advent of these third party data sets and additional data sets. So that it wasn't consistently maintained for that purpose. Um, and broadly, that. A key insight is that the insights don't always need to be exact, uh, also that the metrics don't need to be exact. Situational awareness in operational centres is, is to provide a broad understanding of what's happening on the network rather than an exact understanding. So um, that was also key in the use of analytical tools like Tableau and Altrix and those sort of things. Um, there's been good investment from some of the states in advancement uh, in investment um, in analytical capability. That's with the provision of data scientists, which weren't necessarily a big thing five, 10 years ago. So there, there are teams that have been established to manage data, which is a, a good advancement. Um, there's excellent public transport data available between the states, um, but that's a bit patchy in terms of how often that's used to direct decision, decisions in terms of the road asset and planning the road asset. And also good good examples of piloting new data capture technology between the um, between the state transport agencies. Um, so we did a when we were talking to the member states, we we pulled together some of the case studies that specifically responded to different problems and different opportunities, highlighting those opportunities. And we also did a international um, best practice literature review where we pulled on or drew on case studies and best practice internationally. And I'm just going to talk through some of the more relevant or interesting ones now. Uh, so Healthy Streets, so this was a, um, an initiative uh, within Transport for London, I think it was introduced in 2017. Transport for London and the London boroughs have a legal duty to consider the impacts of our activities on health and health inequality. Uh, transport has a number of direct and indirect impacts on the health of Londoners in terms of physical activity, air quality, road danger and access to jobs and services and social inclusion. So it's a key policy initiative and it was supported by a, a, a sort of comprehensive performance reporting framework to, to both, both to support our accountability function how well are we doing in terms of achieving the outcomes of this policy? Um, so using a, an evidence-based um, approach to, to track progress towards those desired outcomes and benefit realisation, which is very important to all aspects of performance reporting undertaking before and after surveys to measure success. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a good example of um, sort of more accessibility orientated policies and how they can be supported with performance reporting. One of the key insights or the, the interesting things was there was an accountability structure around the, the policy initiative and the, the performance reporting framework where the KPIs were directly linked to the salaries of, of, of executives. So that's an important function of good performance reporting practice as well. Um, this one's been around for a while, so um, Transport for London also uses a number of different connectivity measures, and they use connectivity similar to the way we use accessibility and indicators. So they've got four key measures. One is access to public transport. Um, another two are access through the network, whether that's location-based or London-wide catchment sort of analysis, and then access via the network to specific opportunities. And that, that wasn't something that was unique to London and TfL, that that was a, a sort of common accessibility measure, is that access to different opportunities by different modes of transport. Um, P-TAIL is probably the most famous one, so it's a well-established and relatively simple method of measuring access to the public transport network. Um, so looking at sort of proximity to, to public transport nodes and also the frequency of the services that service those nodes. And I know we've got something similar in Queensland as well around Uptai. 
Um, but um, yeah, PTAL of zero represents lowest level of public transport accessibility and 6B represents the highest level, so very well connected. And that's just a map there on the left of central London or London, including greater London and, and the different areas. Um, another example is the, the STAR rating, the International Road Assessment Program. Um, so STAR ratings measure the roads the road infrastructure's inherent safety. So rather than looking at crashes to determine um, safety performance, it's looking at the sort of geometry and the inventory of the road to determine that inherent safety within the road infrastructure asset. Uh, so it's based on road inspect inspection data uh, and it uh, covers all, all modes or, or, or motorcyclists, bicycles, um, pedestrians, cars, those sorts of things. Um, so there are assigned a score uh, from one, which is least safe, to, to five, which is most safe. Um, so I've just included an example on the left there of the one star ratings. Um, so in terms of pedestrians, that would be having no sidewalk, uh, no safe crossings, uh, 60 kph uh, speeds. Uh, for cyclists, no cycle paths, no safe crossings, poor road surface. So that's the lower end of that scale. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been very successful, very widely used, um, and um, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a good example of a sort of inventory-based statistical performance reporting framework, um, which is more on the the road assets. Uh, this was New Zealand's transport outcomes framework. So this was a, a good example of when I talked earlier about the challenge of inconsistency in performance reporting across organisational functions. Uh, the Ministry of Transport in New Zealand has pulled together this framework where there's a direct linkage between the higher order policies and the transport outcomes they require all through the different organisational functions and policy and planning documents. So there's that consistency that all of those documents and all of those functions are trying to achieve the same thing in terms of an outcome, which is quite impressive. Um, we'd also seen Canada and Sweden had, had established similar frameworks as well. Uh, so it covers the, uh, the, the entire transport sector and identifies government aims for transport system and how in transport improves wellbeing and livability, which were important outcomes. Uh, so it has five contributing interwoven outcomes, inclusive access, economic prosperity, healthy and safe people, environmental sustainability and resilience and security. Uh, so that's reflected at the, the first tier um, of reporting at, using 35 different transport indicators. And then there's a further, further 80 measures within the um, government policy statement. So really good example of linking, reflecting policy outcomes with, with broader organisational functions. Um, the the Pulse of Greater Sydney, um, so it's, it's essentially a document which outlines, outlines a vision for Greater Sydney as a metro, metropolitan, met, metropolis of free cities where most live, um, residents within, live within 30 minutes by public transport or walking of their jobs, education and health facilities. Um, so it's a good example of a document uh, or a, a framework within Australia um, that does um, talk to and acknowledge accessibility as a key driver and a key requirement of the, the, the transport system and the transport assets and the road asset as well. So there, there were two key indicators, four performance indicators that drew on 10 different directions. And the two key indicators that we'll mention there is that 30 minute cities, um, so access measures the proportion of residents able to reach their nearest metropolitan centre or strategic centre using public transport within 30 minutes. And then um, 
walk, measuring walkable place in terms of uh, a percentage or modal split of all trips in terms of walking trips. So another good example of um, sort of accessibility type metrics here in Australia. So just a reminder um, to our audience to send through questions for the Q&A. So to help us answer your question, please let us know the slide number your question relates to and you can capture your question in the um, in the chat um, and type the questions on the question mark there on, on, the, on the bar on your presentation. So once we'd um, looked to talk to all the member states about the, the sort of practices that they they employ um, or that they use um, to support their performance reporting um, and we did the literature review. We pulled together a bit of a, a framework of what best practice might look like in terms of performance reporting. Um, this particular slide here draws on some work previously that Osrose created in, uh, completed in 2018 uh, around um, providing insights around complex data and we've just used it here to sort of articulate um, the features of a good performance indicator. So it's important that it's it's credible, um, it's consistent and regular, so it's not necessarily subject, subject to natural variation. It's reliable in that sense. Uh, and it includes a performance target, so that's what gives it meaning. So having a benchmark that you're trying to achieve or, or you're measuring the, the statistic within the context of gives you some meaning to that statistic. Um, it has to be targeted to different users, so it has to speak to different users' needs. Uh, and ideally, it should be comparable, so you'd be able to compare across different modes and different users and different transport assets. So that's that's with a view to guiding investment, um, particularly. Um, should layer should provide layers of information, and it should, like we've mentioned previously, it should be a driver for change. So it should be linked to the outcomes that it's trying to achieve, or the policy outcomes at the, the highest level. These indicators and metrics should look to try and support those, and importantly, should highlight change um, over time um, in response to investment and other things. So that's very important in terms of that accountability function. In terms of um, providing a, a recommended performance report in practice framework. We've defined some key success factors here, which draws on all that information that I mentioned earlier. So uh, it's important to establish a perform, performance reporting structure which supports policy outcomes, like we've mentioned, um, ensures that customer needs are represented, uh, and defines indicates and metrics that are translatable and traceable across organizational functions. So that consistency that we, met, we talked about. Um, it's also essential that benefit realisation is um, a sort of central driver of performance. So undertaking before and after surveys at the end of a project, very important to understand, have you realised your benefits? And if not, what do you need to do to go and do better in the future, to optimise more in the future? Um, it's all important to communicate why performance needs to be observed, and that's across your whole organisation. Um, it's, it's, it's critical that everybody's bought into it. Um, and like we've mentioned, clear, targeted and consistent reporting. So that, that consistency um, is key really to show and give people confidence and credibility in the statistics. Uh, governments and accountabilities, like I mentioned earlier, nothing really gets done unless somebody's got accountability or responsibility for it. So that has to be built into your frameworks as well. And as it's a challenging one, but the ability to build flexibility to embrace innovation and change. And it's, it's, it's a tricky one when it comes to data because 
your historical trends based on using a certain data set. So when you change data sets, there's always the risk that you could lose that sort of historical context, which is important for sort of trend analysis, but you have to aspire to build in the potential to embrace innovation. Um, promoting continual improvement, collaboration and knowledge sharing, and that's what this project's partly about, but Osroads has done it well. There's already examples of the state sharing um, best practice on the cost of congestion and you know um, data fusion techniques and those sort of things. So it's very important that that information shared between states and more broadly within industry. Um, like I mentioned, outcome orientated performance indicators and very, very important that you've got a strong centralized data management capability, that single source of truth that the people in your organizations that can work with and manage data, particularly these bigger data sets that we're seeing. Uh, now I'm going to hand over to Scott to talk about um, data capture and management. Thanks, Alan. I'll uh, just uh, chat through on a, a few slides and uh, also um, just be, bring up a, a couple of slides on best practice as well. Uh, so beginning, uh, some if you can just forward on. Yeah, so as Simon and, and Robert mentioned earlier, uh, some great engagement. Uh, both with the uh, government agencies and also the private sector. And um, from a state agency perspective, firstly, on the left-hand side, just running through some of the key challenges and, and barriers that uh, the recognition of the lack of data standards, which is potentially reducing interoperability. There's uh, a need for centralization and accessibility, uh, better accessibility to data very uh, high cost of maintenance um, of devices and certainly storage of data over time. Uh, concerned with um, the lack of statistical transparency in some of the third party data sets that are being provided. Um, so these data sources may be cheaper, but is there real value, true value in these data sources? And we need to make the, the case for um, making uh, uh, making the case for good data and, and uh, new data business models that there's significant change um, across obviously data and, and uh, um, but also understanding those opportunities within business. From a service provider perspective that uh, recognising that um, we uh, from a service provider perspective that uh, this requires highly customised contracts uh, East agents, each agency is maybe doing something slightly different and that's complex from, from a private sector perspective. The data being provided to road agencies is often um, what they may consider in an undesirable format and uh, there's, there's a reliance on fixed infrastructure uh, data collection historically. Uh, and an anonymity requires particular consideration. Um, so obviously there's need to comply with those requirements, but uh, there's also um, some loss of statistical transparency with that. Uh, there's cultural barriers um, from within uh, government organisations in trusting this, this new data and approach. And there's tension over channels of information um, and uh, that connection to end users and who's got responsibility for that connection to end users. And uh, the, the data is, um, I, I guess that these service providers are used to being seen as data providers rather than data and analytical special, analytical specialists, which is really uh, a core 
uh, capability now in, in uh, some of these organisations. So moving on uh, to the next slide. Uh, so what data uh, has been captured and when? I won't go through this slide in detail, but looking at that um, middle column, um, what what is the, the data collection method and the different types of data collection that we've used over time? So more traditionally, historically, uh, household travel surveys, many of you will be familiar with uh, and census data and uh, some, you know, certainly some positives in the use of this data and it's, it's uh, obviously um, undertaken um, with relatively low samples and relatively intermittently in terms of census data. Uh, and then we move on to more uh, modern techniques in terms of mobile phone data collection um, and just mention of one, a couple of examples there, DSpark and Telstra. And that's used in a in a couple of different ways. So it could be around um, movement and people, but also better understanding use of use of place and place based metrics. Um, finally, um, just to talk about collection of data from the perspective of um, inventory and of of asset and infrastructure provision. So that's sort of final level uh, down at the bottom there. Um, so there's a bunch of benefits and drawbacks as I mentioned and it really is trying to understand what are you going to do with that data and the rigour required um, in, in validating that, that data and, and considering that end use. So moving on to the, the next slide. We um, just wanted to present a, a few examples of innovation and best practice around um, data and, and performance. Uh, so firstly, um, looking at the cost of excess congestion, uh, this is both in, in Queensland and Western Australia. So this was considering um, aggregation of four components of cost, so cost of delay, excess vehicle operating costs, cost of excess emissions and the cost of travel time, um, or you know, potentially considering the cost of reliability. And then you can form a, form a delay uh, metric here that's calculated uh, by conserve, uh, comparing a, an observed speed to a to a reference speed. And in the bottom half of the slide, uh, data fusion techniques. So um, this is techniques used uh, in many places in Australia, but looking at particularly Victoria and Queensland, and that's bringing together data from streams, uh, Bluetooth devices, and uh, probe, uh, a range of probe speed data. So we use a range of uh, these, these uh, agencies using a range of algorithms to source, combine and patch data to provide a more complete and, and more granular data sets. And the pre preliminary results have showed that these hybrid uh, data um, uh, services uh, have significantly improved coverage, um, demonstrating its ability to more effectively capture uh, social costs. And we've got a, a couple more uh, examples, just moving over the page. So looking at the um, TMR data exchange in Queensland, so you'll see this very high level view of an architecture on the left hand side. So this is um, combines uh, three environments, so the key elements in, in the middle there in grey, which is the data lake, the data hub and a sandpit to allow uh, people to get in and, and test um, different algorithms and approaches to, to managing data. Um, it's designed with scalability and flexibility to adapt and embrace, and embrace new and emerging technologies. 
and it's accessible to business partners via the Open Data Portal with self-service analytics and real-time dashboards. And you'll note that connection to um, the, the BAU, Business as Usual Operating Framework, over to the right of that, uh, that stack. Um, and just moving on to our uh, final point here in, in this section, which is sort of the key takeaways and considerations for transport agencies in improving data collection and management and analysis. Um, just six key points that, um, and we've provided more detail on this in the report, but to consider functional needs, to consider the way they're preparing data uh, from those requirements to understand then their um, and as a fundamental element of that, privacy and, and transparency needs um, to look at and understand data ownership, could be you know, particular business models and data usage, and finally training and knowledge. Um, and this, the, the ongoing nature and, and update of these processes. And that's the, uh, I think the final slide there, Simon, I'll uh, hand back to you. Thanks, Scott. Just getting the slides back in front of me. Thank you. So we, we talked a bit there about best practice in performance reporting generally and, and some particular case studies and also data management and data collection, which is a key component. And there's a lot of material on that in the report. Um, like we said, one of the key focuses beyond understanding what represents best practice in terms of performance reporting is the, the, the recommendations around the MPIs or how we improve their relevance. So I'm going to talk a little bit about those now uh, so as part of the sort of gap analysis or the, or the, the assessment of, of, of how the MPIs are currently used across the different member agencies um, we basically interviewed each of the states to understand um, how and what MPIs were used if they were used and, and if not why not um, there's a detailed summary there a detailed breakdown on the left there of, of how states um, use the different MPIs or whether they use them if there's variance in place and on the right there there's just a summary of that so uh, we saw pretty strong compliance in terms of road safety that's that's primarily because it's driven for a national uh, mandate uh, in, and there's national targets that do in part align um, with the different road agencies um, own reporting and it's it's a little bit easier because of the, the the data source that is used to report against that comprehensively um, we saw that road asset management uh, was it was a bit was pretty weak overall um, and that's primarily because there's more valuable measures available available regionally to inform road asset management um, so there's there's a preference for for, for, for other measures uh, environmental sustainability was pretty patchy, pretty weak. It was it was employed on an ad hoc basis, but not not really comprehensively. Um, and then traffic operations, obviously, speed, reliability to an extent are the basis for a lot of um, movement performance related understanding. Um, so things like delay, um, V over C, congestion index speed ratio. These these things are used, which aren't massively dissimilar to, to what the MPIs for, for traffic operations are, um, but there was a general inconsistency and, and part of that's been brought about because of the advent of new data sets um, such as Google and, and Intelematics and others and uh, moving away from the sort of traditional traffic management system data sets. So um, we saw, yeah, sort of departure there, but there was still some consistency and mainly because 
there is that historical record if you stick with the same statistic and the same data to be able to compare against, which is very valuable. It shouldn't be underestimated. And user satisfaction, there was some strong um, alignment and compliance there. Um, and it's even something that we're seeing states do more and more of, you know, in terms of understanding from the, from the mouths of their customers how the network's performing. So in terms of the, the evaluation process, so what we did was um, there were three key steps to it and it, it talks to sort of traditional sort of processes around um, appraisal evaluation. Um, but we essentially came up with a, a long list which referenced national and international practice. In, in the back of the report as an appendix, we've got a register of all the different metrics that you could use and indicators that you could use based on what we talked about with the states or what we identified internationally um, and that's also acknowledging the fact that you know um, the MPIs might not be suitable for you but there might be metrics there and indicators that do sort your particular um, support your particular policy outcome so there's a long list which acknowledges and categorizes in terms of sustainability re resilience livability those sort of things and it reflects on the importance of uh, place and access and connectivity and importantly acknowledges multimodal elements as well so we try to break it down as much as we can across the different multimodal aspects once that long list had been compiled we set ourselves some more strategic questions that we needed to answer um, to help determine a short list so the subject matter experts were involved in evaluating that long list and, and creating a sort, sort of short list of, of indicators that best responded to um, the, ensuring relevance with the different transport agencies and, and different road user needs. Um, there was an acknowledgement of ATAP and the different economic weightings and what, what users think is important in terms of mode and travel. Uh, and uh, the, the, the indicates were assessed on their ability to compare and contrast across modes, which was seen to be important. And, and very importantly, the ease of application. So in theory, you could have a fantastic metric that, that is perfect for you know articulating a particular insight, but if you can't get the data to support that comprehensively, or it's extremely costly, it's not going to be a viable indicator. So that was a very, very key component in terms of our final recommendations. And then it's once we had that shortlist, we went to the PRG and state, state stakeholders and we engaged again uh, to tweak and refine and develop that, that list into a set of recommendations. So why MPIs? So that the, the core functions of the re recommended MPIs, and this was engaged upon, so what, what did we want them to do? So the state transport agencies and, and the member states came back to us and said, um, it's important to understand changes in modal performance and needs over time. And that could be in response to investment or policy directions or something else. Um, it's important to be able to inform federal funding decisions, which was a tradition, a key part of the MPIs and the MPI framework. Um, to, to a lesser extent, it allows to compare and contrast road network performance between states. Um, and then also um, sort of supplementary functions is to, to, to support the network or help orientate the network operation planning framework, which is an established framework that Osroads um, uses and um, also to support decision making around non-infrastructure type initiatives which is very central to the AGTM uh, and those sorts of documents. Um, so in terms of uh, what MPIs, and I've already touched on this, so they should acknowledge sustainability, resilience, livability and reflect the importance of connectivity um, and accessibility. Uh, they should be multimodal in nature, particularly ex uh, acknowledging the needs of pedestrian, cyclists and freight. Uh, they should reflect different needs between different modes because um, 
not all users of different modes um, appreciate the same things when it comes to their travel or their journey. So they need to pick up on those nuances. Um, ideally, they should consider local specific factors and that's probably where benchmarks come in a bit more, but obviously a regional or rural road is different from an urban road um, and, and geography. Uh, they have to be flexible to new data sets and also um, aspire to sort of mode neutral outcomes. And that's very important in terms of policy and ensuring that you're not biasing one mode over another in terms of the indicator that you select. But that's, that's more of an aspiration uh, into the future and acknowledges challenges of data and translation. So that's, that's you know, they have to be viable in terms of getting hold of the data. So this was the final set of recommended MPIs. Um, I won't go through them one by one, um, but I'll provide a bit of an overview. So we, we have broken them down to, to acknowledge individual modes, um, such as bus, freight, pedestrians and cyclists. And I know we've got them in one column there, but they really are separate. Uh, and then aspiring to those mode neutral indicators, but also acknowledging that there's more work to need that needs to be done in that space. Um, some of the indicators allow us to compare and contrast between modes, um, but then some others are more nuanced in terms of picking up on what's more important to that mode. So for example, reliability to freights probably or is more important than to a general traffic or general car user. So trying to acknowledge that in the reliability statistic there. Accessibility is being brought in or connectivity, um, which talks to mode share um, and some of those inventory based statistics that we talked about earlier, which is sort of a new thing for the MPIs. They've, they've been typically sort of performance based. Um, I'm just trying to pick up on some of the other things here, um, allowing that the use of alternative data sets um, and uh, yeah, acknowledging best practice in terms of reliability. So there's a huge amount of work that's been done by the different states in terms of reliability is a very big thing at the moment, but acknowledging the best practice around that and, and that's influenced that change in metric there. So that's, um, that's sort of it. And then I'll just pass on to Rob to talk about some of the broader recommendations around the MPIs. Thanks, Simon. So with this past slide, I mean, this is, this is all very important stuff. This is the recommendations from the, from the report. Um, but importantly, we discuss why uptake is an issue. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about the challenges and whatnot, but where to from here, how can we improve uptake of, of those MPIs? So I guess we'll start with key insights. So, um, State transport agencies' performance reporting needs an emphasis on accountability. So in relation to progress and success within context of policy goals and objectives, and a need to appraise and order programs and projects. So that's your identification and prioritization. So we've talked about that already. Um, the key reasons for the observed departure for the MPIs, um, Uptake issues included misalignment between MPIs and state agencies' performance reporting needs. Uh, there's also new data sources available, such as mobile phone data, Bluetooth, um, telemetry data, et cetera. Um, so of course there's been misalignment since 1993 and 2007 MPI editions. Um, and then the next one, again, accountability, prioritization, project identification, 
uh, key reasons to focus on NPIs. Structure and format has not kept pace with the advent of new data sets. Um, so it all sort of ties into that above statement. Success of the revised NPIs. So we've given you some great insights there. We've given you recommendations, but what, what makes it, what, how can we build success from this? Well, the first one, and I'll talk about these in more detail on the next slide, but the ease of application, alignment with state-based reporting, the cost, so capital cost and ongoing cost, and added value to state transport agencies. So it's not just about reporting on MPIs to Ausroads and to the sort of national level, it's about using them in our daily business as well. Um, so the report touches on that, um, but I think that there's more work to do in this space, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, the last sort of point here and insight is that we need an MPI framework. It's, it's valuable for delivering added value for state transport agencies, and it's an important mechanism for supporting uptake. So we need a clear governance structure. Um, we can't really be more clear than that, but we sort of need people in member agencies and within Ausroads uh, well, on the workforce, work to the task force, we need them accountable to build the uptake. So that's sort of one of the key learnings here. Um, alrighty, so improving uptake and the next steps. So this is both internally, these are recommendations from, from, from us. This is both internally in member agencies, but as an Ausroads community as well. Um, so supporting ease of application, we, Ausroads and agreed decision makers per framework recommendations are recommended to select key corridors to report on periodically. Now we already do that, but since that was established, a lot has changed on our network. You know, there's been motorways built alongside certain strategic corridors that, that skews the data. Um, this is our recommendation that we sort of need to revamp that um, reporting on a selected key corridor or range of for each member agency. In addition, it's recommended that there's a development of an online tool and template to support periodic MPI reporting. So that makes it easier for us to all access. The benefit here is that agencies can share and assess treatments from other agencies and learn from other states and New Zealand providing a platform to share information. So again, all ties back to ease of application, ease of um, getting to the data and the outcomes of that data. So the next one, better alignment with state-based reporting. It's, it's still up to the agencies which performance measure uh, metrics they capture and report on. Further guidance may be required on certain indicators and metrics, especially benchmarks. So I, I sort of think that summarizes that we, um, yeah. yeah, we'll move on to that next one, reducing costs. So we need a source nationally accessible third party data sets for freight and active transport. So it's about sharing that capital cost nationally. Um, I think there's big benefit there because to reduce costs, there's always opportunity to, to source those um, nationally available data sets. Um, this is where the framework, so the recommendation just before, the framework and personnel to drive this outcome um, is really important for this one to reduce costs. And then the last point here, 
providing added value to state transport agencies. So one of the key challenges has been the attitude of why are we reporting on this? You know, we're spending money on, on uh, reporting on certain performance indicators, but how does that actually benefit us? It'll be up to each agency to demonstrate clearer linkages between MPIs to higher government objectives, such as social, economic, and environmental objectives, or a sense of place, if that's the corridor's strategic meaning. Um, the decision makers will need to, so that's the decision makers in the, in the MPI framework committee, they'll need to develop level of service benchmarks. Um, the report considers mode neutral indicators it will be up to the appointed MPI decision makers to further develop this idea and invest in these data sets. Um, there's also an overarching metric for livability, again, which aligns with the social government objectives. So I suppose that's one thing that needs additional work in that space and the livability in place. Um, and providing guidance on correction factors that can be applied to MPIs to support unbiased comparison. I mean, obviously the Eastern states have a higher, um, higher congestion rate than some of the other states like SA and Tasmania, um, but that we still need that unbiased comparison on a national level. So um, yeah, so that sort of concludes our presentation and thank you to Simon and Scott, um, really good information there. Um, one other thing I would note is on each of these slides, we've referred to a section of the report that you can go to to read up a little bit more um, if you're interested in that. Uh, Ekaterina, I'll pass back to you now. Thank you very much, Robert um, and Simon and Scott. Um, it was such a great presentation, very interesting project. Um, and we have a few questions from our audience. Um, I'm going to jump to slide. Um, 14, where you talked about the project objectives. Um, and our first question um, is, it appears that the focus was on urban indicators. So from um, a regional project scope perspective, um, so what your advice would be on logic of having an urban focus as distinct from whole of network indicators? I can take have a go at that one so mm -hmm. that was I, I guess it traditionally Osroads scope has been more on urban the urban network um, we acknowledge the, the the rural aspect when we talk there about um, you know having geographic constraints and considerations within the MPIs I think that's more of a role I, I don't believe that the indicates that we've recommended don't fit regional or rural roads I think it's more the place of level of service benchmarks and targets to better articulate um, the differences or the nuances between urban and, and regional roads that's that's my view um, and that's where that value can be can be added um, obviously some of the indicators they, they might be more preferenced um, for, for urban roads um, as opposed to regional and some of them might be less 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 useful for regional roads, um, but it's, it's probably a subset is, is my understanding. I don't know if anybody else had anything to add to that. Yeah, we talked so. about this, uh, we talked about this at project in inception um, with the Osroads uh, task force and the um, consensus was that the performance indicators in the urban area are 
more complicated than the regional area. I mean, we um, other other than the asset management side of it, we you know we report on road safety. Um, so I think that's why we've concentrated more so on the urban side, um, but happy to field more questions and bring that up with Osroads at a later date if you want to send through further thoughts. Thanks, Robert. Um, okay, next question is in relation to slide 17, where you talked about um, innovation and best practice. So did you find industry um, interested in contributing to clarify business models and legal context? We uh, we did. I guess that's a good one for Scott to talk to as well. But yeah. they, they were very they were very open to enhancing and developing that that relationship and understanding with with transport agencies. I'll let Scott talk to that one. Yeah, I, I think so. Really, look, um, they're obviously one to one discussions and and um, yeah, but um, those organisations taking a view of their industry um, much more broadly, which is great, and recognising that. You know, there's a lot of things shifting. Um, it's for the benefit involved in that ecosystem to understand it better. So yeah, very positive um, and yeah, very gracious with their time. Thanks, Scott. Um, a question that doesn't relate to any particular slide. So how to measure um, a network-wide performance and multimodal person-oriented metrics rather than car-centered vehicle metrics. So I wonder what are the current insights from this perspective and what could we possibly do in the future? I can talk to the the, um, the metric or indicator side of it and then Scott might be able to talk to the data. But um, mm -hmm. I think we highlighted there some of the, some of the accessibility type indicators and metrics that were being used uh, both internationally and nationally. So there's that, that PTAL um, metric that is um, based on the provision of proximity to, to sort of high capacity, high frequency public transport. There's there's obviously the, the work that Transport for New South Wales has been doing that's more demographically orientated, sort of census orientated around proximity to to particular activities and services by by public transport. Um, so so there are some of the examples. One of the key challenges. Um, in terms of accessibility and mobility as a whole is that that end-to-end -end journey which is very important the whole of trip is is difficult to observe um, within the context of the of the road asset at sometimes it's difficult to translate onto the road assets you know to, and when things are more infrastructurally orientated that's that's a bit of a challenge but um, there certainly is data and, and Scott will talk to that now um, data coming online that that has the potential to, to provide greater insights particularly we've seen it used on the precinct level, but potentially on a network-wide level as well. Yeah, from a data perspective, we, we touched on that earlier, mentioning particular the opportunities with, with uh, remote cellular data um, and those you know, services are available today. Um, we've seen those being used uh, in, in projects um, really effectively. Um, thinking about what that would mean from a, a network level, it really, uh, I, I think, comes back to that consideration. You know, what are you going to you uh, to do with that, and what decisions is that driving? But um, certainly, um, there's a bit of work to do in understanding. Uh, it, you know, if there's a if there's a real time need and aspect, there's some issues or, or some some questions there that are that um, you know that that's taking shape over time. But 
um, from an historical sense, it's um, uh, just some considerations of the way you you, you validate um, sample size granularity, sort of standard things we'd, we'd consider. But um, the nature of that network, um, and, you know, the scale of it is um, is certainly good potential today uh, relative to even uh, two or three years ago. Thanks, Scott. Um, I'm going to take us to slide uh, 36, where you talked about the application, current application of um, network performance indicators. And the question here, um, so would you be able to um, comment on some of the challenges associated with um, harmonized reporting uh, and getting jurisdictions to um, change their practices to provide improvement um, uh, of national performance indicators? I can uh, start that, but maybe Rob can add to it. But um, yeah, some of the challenges, like we 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 mentioned, is the that the, the, there's not necessarily that the investment in maintaining the traditional traffic management systems. Like a lot of the the data was sort of streams or scats orientated originally to to <laughs> inform the MPIs. So that hasn't necessarily kept pace with the advent of of new data sets as they've come online. And a lot of states, like we've said, have have reached out to Google and other other providers to get hold of that that particularly that traffic operations data, uh, and it does provide benefits in terms of granularity, both temporally and spatially. Um, so I think that's that's one of the the, the main ones. And like we said, the, the the lack of alignment with necessarily the MPIs and what that what they're trying to achieve, and also what the states are trying to achieve in terms of their their policies and their outcomes. So um, yeah, there's there's some of the key things. I think I think the Really importantly, if we can build into the framework the ability to use broader data sets effectively in an in an unbiased way, I think it's a big challenge. But I mean, if we if we can um, support the adoptions of broader data sets, I think there'd be a, a lot higher uptake in terms of the uh, having harmonised metrics across the states. Uh, and it, and if there was a, a stronger link to to federal funding, because that, that has been there in the past. Um, I think that was, if that's articulated more comprehensively, you know, that would be a good reason to 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 to, to be consistent um, in terms of those statistics and metrics. Has any consideration been given to sort of asking the board to propose uh, the ministerial council consider adopting NPIs and um, arranging um, regular reports to the community? Difficult one to answer. I think Richard might be better place to answer that. I, there has been yeah. some some back and forth. Obviously, it's changed a bit over time. I think uh, at present there is no mandate or requirement to report against MPIs. I think the the mm -hmm. framework or the, the periodic side of it um, that's that's no longer there. Um, mm -hmm. So one of our recommendations is that if we if we were to re-establish that 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 there'd need to be um, things done by Osroads and others to help enhance and support that framework. It needs that governance around it and it needs that support. It needs other tools to be developed to support it as well. So I, I think that was one of the set suggestions, but um, that's that's really with um, Richard and, and Broad yeah, Osroads. We, we will keep that question for the yeah. um, written response. Um, uh, another question in relation to slide. I think it's 43. Um, so, do you can you share your experience um, and provide some more information? 
just one second, I've lost that slide. Um, some more information regarding sourcing uh, third-party data sets nationally. Um, are there any recommendations from Austroads in relation to that? I wanted to tell um, that one. I was mm. gonna say, I mean, you guys mm. did some pretty heavy workshops with the industry. Scott, do you have any recommendations there? Um, yeah, so I think it's a view that there's a, just a little bit of the... Can't really hear you there, Scott. Sorry. Yeah, that's better. Uh, that's it's better. just a look at the uh, opportunity, um, firstly, to uh, use the same framework and approach to sourcing that data. Look, there's, I'd say it's, it's reasonable to say that they, there's been some discussion of whether that should go further uh, and whether they could um, jointly source um, data sets. I, I'm sure that's given uh, has been given consideration at a point, but, but uh, what we're pointing to in the report and from discussions we've had, uh, it's as a starting point, it's at least um, have a framework to engage and discuss um, consistency in the data and, and the nature of the use of that data is a good starting point. Yeah, and I, I think if we look at it realistically, we need on that national level, we need a a committee to make decisions based on some of the recommendations in the report on the MPIs. Well, what are we what are we going after nationally? What are some of the mode neutral performance indicators, and how can industry help us? And then from there, I guess we can we can start making getting open tenders going and seeing what's available. So we've got a basic understanding from the report, but I think we we need to build that in as a committee. I think that yeah, and just to go back to the the data question, I think there has been work done around freight. I think freight was the is the big big gap in terms of insights and and data and availability and access to data. I, I believe there's some some discussions from from talking to Richard that have happened around freight and freight data, but um, you know, pedestrian and cyclist data, it's it's very difficult to get on, the, on a network wise scale that data. Um, but we do have documentation reporting. Um, that covers different data sets, different devices and those sort of things. But yeah, the, the discussion around, a, you know, the national discussion needs to be, I guess, continued outside of this project. Thanks so much, uh, Simon. Well, I'm uh, afraid we need to wrap up. Um, it's uh, past two o'clock, so it's the end of our webinar. Uh, thanks so much, um, Scott, Robert and Simon for such a um, great presentation, interesting Q&A. We have uh, questions left, uh, so we will uh, prepare a written response and we'll send it to everybody after the session. Um, so before we wrap up, just a few words on our future um, sessions. We have a variety of webinars, as you can see, on different topics. So um, a webinar on the 22nd of April might be of particular interest to you. We will talk about the Austro's review of current um, network operations planning practices and proposed recommendations on how state and local government agencies can increase um, NLP's use and implementation. So for more information about each session, please visit um, uh, our website. And as usual, um, when we close out today's session, the questionnaire will pop up on your screen. So please take a few uh, minutes to fill it in. Let us know what you think about the webinar, what you liked, what you didn't uh, like. We do read it all at 
um, and it helps us to shape our um, shape our future program. Um, and you will also um, receive a follow-up email within a few days uh, with a link to the recording of today's session. So thanks so much, uh, everyone. Again, stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks.